Shalom, shalom, shalom. Hey everyone, what's going on? This is Michael Sano, and welcome, welcome, welcome to the 12 Cities in Israel podcast. This is episode number 18. We have so much to cover today. There is, there is just so much to talk about today. Um, a lot of fun stuff, a lot of good stuff. There's going to be some interesting uh, ideas are going to come up. Uh, we're going to have a little bit of a history lesson. I'm going to refer to a book that I'm reading, um, which is absolutely amazing. Um, I'm going to give you some updates on what's going on with the, uh, with the interviews that are coming up in February. But before, before, before we do that, um, let, me, uh, let me take care of a little bit of uh, housekeeping. First, listen, if this is your first time watching us, on the video version of this podcast, please, 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 come on, don't forget to hit the subscribe button and the notification bell so that you're always in the loop and always know when we have a brand new, fresh episode out. Um, also, if you want to take us with you on your way to work or to the gym or wherever you want to go, um, you can find this podcast on SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, and of course, Spotify. So that one's uh, that one's a big deal for my wife. She uh, she follows me on Spotify. Uh, you know, honestly, uh, for a while she didn't at all follow me, subscribe um, to our YouTube page. She didn't subscribe to our Instagram, any of it. Um, and now she does. Um, okay, so along with the housekeeping, I have to give my shout outs. Um, the first of which uh, is to iConnect. I connect engagement with Israel that earns you rewards, earn points and connect with Israel with articles, games, quizzes, polls, and more. So what exactly is I connect? Well, I connect is a social gaming platform where you can play, earn points and receive cool prizes all for free. Now, why should you play? Because I connect introduces you to a unique way to acquaint yourself with all things Israel while working towards winning once-in-a-lifetime experiences. So head on over to www.iconnect.co.il. That's www.iconnect.co.il and start playing now. Our next one is from Israel Phones, uh, who is the leading provider of communication devices for people traveling to Israel Israel phones offer SIM cards, MiFi devices, which are mobile Wi-Fi hotspots, travel products and services, the connectivity needs of tour groups, synagogues, schools, community missions, study programs, and individuals supplying you with international prepaid SIM cards, cell phones, and USB portable modem hotspot rentals. Now, because right now, because you are watching this show, Israel phones will give you a free SIM card which is a $15 value if you spend $30 or more on their site. Thank you, Israel Phones. All you have to do to get this deal is to use the coupon code 12 cities in Israel. That's the number one, two cities in Israel, all one word, no spaces when checking out on your next order. For more information on what Israel Phones can do for you and to get this great deal, which it is a great deal, so use it, please visit www dot israelphones.com go to www.israelphones.com okay 
Um, what are we talking about? We are talking about um, it's it's gonna it's gonna seem controversial. It is not controversial. Um, but in this era of um, everyone gets a trophy, a particip- uh, participation award. It's going to seem um, a little harsh. So right now, what I'm doing is I am... Well, wait a minute. Okay. So um, we're talking about the self-worth of the individual, okay? Uh, primarily, in, in this discussion, we'll be talking about the self-worth of Jews. Are they... Is there worth in the Jewish population as a whole, or is that um, re- restrained, constrained, um, limited to only those that produce? So um, the reason I'm bringing this up is because in the book, The Jewish State by Theodore Herzl, um, he addresses this question. Now, before we get into that, I'm going to have a sip of coffee. Peter, this is for you. Jacobs, yay. Mm-mm-mm. That's the obligatory slurp um, again, and I say this every time. My grandmother is rolling. So, um, so we're talking about self-worth. We're talking about Jewish self-worth, which also goes into the discussion uh about individual self-worth and is is the individual in inherently imbued with worth meaning um just because you popped out and wound up on this planet do you automatically uh have worth now worth is it can be defined in a number of different ways um Yes, I would argue that yes, across the board, the answer would absolutely be yes, because you can always find someone who loves someone. We can even go to the extreme. Stalin probably Stalin had children and his father and his son loved him. Um, I, I know his daughter, they had a troubled history, but I mean, you can go to the mass super duper extreme of the worst person in history uh, or one of the worst people in history. And you can find someone who can ascribe worth to them. So, uh, so yes. But in terms of larger projects, in terms of Herzl's concept of the individual having something that they could give towards a state. And I don't mean monetarily. I don't mean at all times physically. Um so it's interesting because there's a big thing going on right now in politics with, uh, oh, with shutting out the author or the uh, shutting out, excuse me, hold on. Um, shutting out the ultra Orthodox parties, Shaz, Shas, and United Torah Judaism. That's right. Um, Shutting them out of the political process um, in the elections that just occurred. And what's interesting about that, what's what's fabulously interesting about that um, on an intellectual level is the fact that Ben-Gurion saw benefit in 
the Orthodox and saw them as the retainers of uh, culture, I guess would be a good way to describe it. Um, because, I mean, that would be how he would have seen it, I imagine. And I say that because he was um, he was a he was a socialist. Uh, ben Gurion was a socialist uh, through and through. He uh, there there are a lot of things that I've read in in his biography about him moving around the social groups, the socialist groups in Eastern Europe, uh, and that is what prompted him uh, to move to what was then Palestine. And it's interesting because in past episodes, I have said Palestine wasn't used as a name until the mandate. And I was wrong. I was totally wrong. Um, and I'm, as I said before, I am happy to be wrong. I am happy to be corrected. I love it because it just, it makes my, um, coffers of knowledge that much greater. So in, the Jewish state, Theodore Herzl refers to um, th the other place. Um, and every every time that he re refers to that, he's talking about what would become Israel. But when he refers to it by name, he refers to it as Palestine. So fascinating. I'm interested to find out. I'm going to do a little more research, find out where, and this isn't to find out about, you know, and the reason I'm, I'm, I'm a little hesitant right now is because there is this argument that, that continually surfaces about, you know, um, Palestinians and there was no Palestine and blah, 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 blah. But the name Palestine goes all the way back to Roman times. And that of that, I am absolutely sure. Um, I'm just saying, I don't know is, does, is that something that goes all the way back to the Crusades? Is that something that goes all the way back to 70? Or when the, the Roman, yeah, 70, destruction of the Second Temple, when they they uh, they tried to purge the Jewishness of, uh, of um, the kingdom of it? No, the kingdom of Judea. I, that's weird. Okay, so, the, and the reason that's weird is because you have a couple of different things happening. So everyone says the kingdom of Israel and King David. King David was not the king of Israel. He was the king of Judah. Um, Judah, Israel was defeated and they merged um, into David's kingdom. I don't know if it was exactly during David's kingdom or when it exactly happened. I'd have to go back and look. At some of my literature that I have. I have a lot of stuff from school. I have a degree in Jewish studies. Yay, Jewish studies. What's up, Dr. Middleman? Um, who is the head of the program? Check it out. City College of New York. Uh, go Beavers. Um, so that that's one thing. Uh, and I found that out through an interesting story. You're going to be like, whoa, super duper quiz guy. Um, so... There are redundancies in the Torah, in the Bible. Um, there are all, sometimes there are two of the same stories told. Um, the reason for that is during the uh, construction, compilation, when the Bible was codified, um, or perhaps it was before the codification, um, they took stories 
from the kingdom of Israel and the kingdom of Judah, and they merged them together into one story. At times, they couldn't specifically do that, so they just included both stories. The reason being, memory was still fresh of the stories from the kingdom of Israel. Didn't know that, did you? Pretty crazy. Um, anyways, so, um, yeah, so the bottom line, I'm curious as to when the term Palestine was, I know when it was coined, um, but I also know that it fell out of use and I'm wondering when it was brought back, was it brought back as a, uh, because of, uh, Christian literature, um, was it brought back by, and this is interesting, was it brought back by the Germans in the Middle Ages because I didn't know this. Um, I learned this when I was in college. Uh, there are a, most of the critical religious thought in Christianity was adopted in Germany. There were large theological schools, and the interesting thing this is the thing that kind of gets lost is they would always go, um, huh, I don't know. Let's uh, go find a rabbi, bring him over, the priests would, or the academics who were, who were, who were looking at the, at the Bible. Um, they would say, go get a rabbi, we'll ask him. And they would confer with rabbis in the Middle Ages about questions that they had about the Christian Bible. Crazy, right? Um, not everything is <laughs> arrows and spears. Um, so that's that's refreshing. That's good. A little bit of positivity. I am going to have another sip of coffee because I am uh, I'm in need. Sorry. Give me one moment. Mm-mm-mm. All right. So we're going to go back to this this concept of self-worth. And the concept of self-worth actually goes into what I'm working on in February. So I have to go on Kickstarter. I have to ask for money um, because we have, the whole thing costs about 10 grand uh, to go there, flight, the location uh, where we're shooting, which is at the C Executive Suites. Go C Executive Suites, beautiful. If you have an opportunity to go to Tel Aviv, stay at the C Executive Suites. It's phenomenal. The people are amazing. You're treated like a prince or a princess. Um, I prefer a princess sometimes. Who knows? And don't judge. So uh, <laughs> um, what I had to do was I, I have to, in order to generate the money for this, um, I've reached out to a couple of places. Some of them have been uh, really gracious and said that the idea was a really phenomenal idea, but they weren't in the capacity that the companies that I asked for the help from. Uh, able to do anything. Uh, so I need to go to a wider audience. Um, so I've decided to go uh, to Kickstarter. And what I'm going to do is, and this ties in, you'll see it when I read this. Um, excuse me, I hiccuped. Uh, hi. So you'll see that this all ties in. Um, to the concept of Herzl's idea of self-worth. Um, so, uh, th- th- all right, so I'm just, just read it, right? Um, all right, 
so this is the script basically for the Kickstarter video that I'm going to put up. I'm going to read it to you. Before I ask you, the viewer, for anything, I want to tell you a quick story. A story about a man. A story about his life's work. And how my work and your participation in it will continue his vision 100 years after he first put pen to paper. I want to tell you about Theodore Herzl. Now, before Herzl wrote his seminal book that would go on to be used as the framework for what would become the state of Israel, he had a revelation, a revelation brought to him by the angry, anti-Semitic shouts flying wildly through Paris in the mid-1890s. This revelation caused him to see something in himself, something that normally was just a passing afterthought in his 19th century European life. Herzl, for the first time, fully recognized himself as a Jew, as a part of a group who, for as long as anyone could remember, were vilified, oppressed, and derided by European society and law. But from this, he also saw for the first time the Jewish individual, an empowered Jew who was capable of shaping their own destiny, an empowered Jew who was capable of being greater than the generations that had come before him. For this, Herzl wrote, and his writings, oh, from this, Herzl wrote, and his writings, along with the writings of an entirely new literary class of Jews, went on to inspire thousands to empower themselves. It inspired them to embrace the mantle of Jew and to wear it proudly. Long term, what has been the result of this? In a sentence, the state of Israel. Above all, Herzl wanted the Jew to have standing in the world that surrounded them. Sadly, though, even after his dream of a state became a reality in 1948, the world still had difficulty seeing value in the Jew, much less a Jewish state. We're going to change that. I have gathered some of the best and brightest that Israel has to offer and gotten them to agree to be interviewed by myself. I'm going to show you an Israel that is rarely talked about. I'm going to show you Israel through its people. Now, who are these people? Well, one of the people that I have is a woman who became the youngest member of parliament. I have another woman who uses her art studio to educate her community. I also have a former general who left his career to take care of the special needs members of... of oh, I got that wrong. Holy cow. I also have a former general who left his career to take care of his son who has special needs and then went on to helm an organization that advocates and cares for the special needs community in Israel. I even have a ballerina, and I do. Bottom line, this is an amazing group of people, all of whom are willing to share who they are with the world. Help me bring their stories to you. Help me show the world that Israel is a country filled with creative and compassionate people who want to make the world a better place. We are walking in the footsteps of Herzl, and they're pretty big shoes to fill. Will you walk with me? What did you think? All right, so that is my script for my Kickstarter video. That is also basically, in a nutshell, um, why I'm doing what I'm doing. And uh, 
But I mean, it, it basically outlines everything that the my entire reason for doing not only the show, but the interviews and I want to elevate um, the Jewish people. And it, it's weird because as I've been reading this book, The Jewish State, I really, really do feel as if I'm walking in the footsteps of Herzl. And I got to tell you, it's pretty damn terrifying. It is. It's, it's, I mean, there is a place in Jerusalem. Okay. So Jerusalem, Jerusalem's been Jerusalem for, you know, thousands of years. Everything's pretty much been named. Uh, you don't rename things in Jerusalem. Um, unless you build something new, like a new building. So they took a mountain, um, and named it Mount Herzl, Har Herzl. Um, they got rid of the name that it had before. I don't even know what the name was. Um, and they renamed it. That's how important he is. Um, and I feel as if through what I'm doing, I'm picking up his mantle and carrying it. Um, and it's, it's, it's pretty awesome. It's pretty, no, it's pretty great. It's, it's actually fun. I enjoy it. Um, I get to show what we have become. And that's interesting. Um, it's interesting on a number of levels because one of the biggest concerns that Herzl had throughout his, um, throughout his life, one of the biggest well, actually, not throughout his entire life. Prob well, no, yeah. Maybe not from the perspective of being a Jew, but throughout his life, he always wanted to be taken seriously. He always wanted to be um, seen as, maybe, I don't know, would an expert be the right term? He wanted to be... So he mentions something in this book often, very often, and it's a term, and I have to, there's someone I can talk to about it, but he mentions the term honors and that Jews are not able to have honors um, while they exist in late 19th century Europe. Now, to have honors, as I understand it right now, is to have a degree, um, and I, I don't know exactly what he's talking about, um, but the gist that I get is um, respect for being a, ah, and this is important, and this is where we get back to the self-worth thing, respect or being a productive member of European society. So I'm going to actually, what I need to do, I got the book right here and I have tons of post-it notes in it. We're going to go and we're going to, we're going to look at some of this. Um, and we are going to, let me, let me find it. Let me find it. All right. Um, the natural confirmation. I'm reading. I'm reading from the Jewish State by uh, 
Theodore Herzl. Um, the natural confirmation of the land will rouse the ingenuity of our young architects whose ideas have not yet been cramped by routine. And even if the people do not grasp the whole import of the plan, they will at any rate feel at ease in their loose clusters. Um, there will be light, attractive, healthy schools for children conducted on the most approved modern systems. There will be continuation schools for workmen, which will educate them in greater technical knowledge and enable them to become intimate with the working of machinery. There will be places of amusement for the proper, and this is important, for the proper conduct of which the Society of Jews will be responsible. Society of Jews is what eventually became the, uh, um, the JC, the World Jewish Congress. Um, that comes up a lot. Um, and, and, and he continues on a, a couple of paragraphs later, our unskilled laborers will first mutually erect these shelters and then they will earn their houses as permanent possessions by means of their work. Not immediately, but after three years of good conduct. In this way, we shall secure energetic and able men, and these men will be practically trained for life by three years of labor under good discipline. So um, we're talking about self-worth. We're talking about the individual as self-worth. Now, he didn't ascribe self-worth um, specifically to those in Jewish society, meaning those who were European Jews who did not produce. Um, he touches on this a couple of times in, um, in the book where he talks about, what does he talk about? He talks about, there's one paragraph and I couldn't find it. I was thumbing through it and I was trying to find it. Um, and he was talking about those that do not want to do what needs to be done will not leave. And what's funny is he didn't talk about the lower classes when he was talking about this class becomes a very big issue in this. And one could, if they wanted to very easily pull things out of his, out of his book that talk about class and ascribe him to being a socialist. And he is not, um, because if I, if I understand this right, there is self-worth for the individual no matter what um, in socialism. According to him, there is not inherent self-worth in the individual unless that individual produces towards the larger aims of what needs to get done. We're going to talk about this in a second. I got to do a real quick shout out. Um, I'm going to take another sip because... My voice is getting a little bit scratchy. We're moving into fall, so the allergy season's coming. Um, all right, so my first one that I'd like to talk about or give a shout-out to is Neviot. Neviot flavored water, nature at its best taste. Neviot delivers you with a true combination of health and pleasure. Based on Neviot natural mineral water, one of its kind in Israel, it's enhanced with five, five, five P-group vitamins. 
It's naturally sweetened. It is low in calories, only 35 to 40 calories per eight fluid ounces. It is available in delicious, indulging flavors. I love that. Apple, right here. Awesome. Peach and grape. If you're in Israel, you should be drinking Neviot. For more information, check out their website at www.neviotglobal.com forward slash en forward slash home. That is www.neviotglobal.com forward slash en forward slash home. You can also, in this exact bottle, get this when you get off the plane um, in arrivals. (laughs) And it's the first thing I do when I get off the plane uh, I get it for not just myself, but anyone I'm traveling with. Um, it's amazing. If you want to get that water, head on over to our second sponsor, Makolet Online. Their main goal is to make Israeli groceries and Judaic products affordable and available to everyone in the USA and Canada. Their online store carries items that are unavailable in most places in North America, things like tahini, Israeli chocolates, Frozen Borekas and the Neviat water that we are drinking here today at Makolet Online. You will find your favorite Israeli goods or simply enjoy brand new flavors. All of their products are kosher and most are manufactured in Israel. They're also super duper quick. Every time I order stuff, boom, it's at my house. If you want the taste of Israel delivered to your home, visit www.makoletonline.com. An order today for an added bonus if you use the code yes 12 cities in israel thank you makolet online all one word no spaces the number one two cities in israel you will receive 15 percent off of your entire purchase so again visit www.makoletonline.com that's www.makoletonline and order today so thank you guys um so we're talking about self-worth. We're talking about um, the self-worth of the Jew as it um, as it applies to Herzl's definition. So I'm uh, now this is important. Herzl's not saying that Jews who don't produce don't have any self-worth. He's saying in terms of developing the state of Israel what would become the state of Israel. He just had the state, the Jewish state. He didn't have a name for it um, that I know of. Um, What he's saying is that those individuals, we don't have a need for you. Um, It's exclusionary, meaning if you want to be a part of the state, you have to produce to be a part of the state. And what that means, produce doesn't mean like, you got to build spacely sprockets uh, or sprockets in, 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 in this quota or whatever. Uh, what it means is if there are needs, um, then they need to be fulfilled by um, members of the state. By they need, if there are needs, <laughs> the able Jew needs to be a part of that. Um, I actually have a, uh, I have a passage that is pretty great, um, where he talks about that and give me a moment. Let me find it. Let me find it. All right. Um, no, I already read that one. That's profits. Boom, boom, boom. Almost there. Wait. 
Is that it? No. Um. So, yeah, basically what he needed is he wanted people who would be willing to work, people who would be willing. But it wasn't just that you were going to work and you were going to get nothing. Um, you were going to work and you were going to be a part of this. Here it is. You were going to be a part of something greater. All right, we shall only work collectively when the immense difficulties of the task demand common action. We shall, whenever possible, scrupulously respect the rights of the individual. Private property, which is the economic basis of independence, shall be developed freely and be respected by us. So that's that's interesting um, because... What he's saying is, we need you. We need you to work hard. We need you to do things to help us um, develop this state. He talks about sowing fields, um, developing roads and infrastructure. And the other thing that's really interesting about what he's talking about in self-worth is he talks about education. And as I mentioned in, in one of the passages... He talks about a modern education, but he doesn't just talk about a modern education for children. Yeladim, for, um, sorry, sometimes I think in Hebrew. So um, he doesn't just develop it for children. He's also advocating for follow-on education for adults. So one of the things that he talks about is if you... I think he talks about this in work halls because one of the things that um, the state is supposed to do is they're in, in Herzl's mind is they're supposed to develop these, these sort of like guild halls um, where the state can have a large pool of skilled and unskilled workers so let's say you have uh, you have skilled workers, but that skill is not needed. Um, he advocates that the state retrain individuals um, in these what he calls new technologies, uh, the power of water and what steam is doing. And it's just it's fascinating to see it through that lens. Now, what's cool about that? is looking at what I'm doing and it's where I get that footsteps of Herzl thing because I'm speaking to some people who have done that. Like, like, all right. And this is going to sound like a ridiculous, um, example, but it's not, it really isn't. So I have a friend, um, she's a ballerina. She's a dancer and she's amazing. She's just fabulous. Um, she's coming on the show. She'll be one of my guests. Now, she is originally from the United States, made Aliyah, and when I met her, she was dancing for a dance company in Beersheba in southern Israel. So, what that means, in line with what um, Herzl was talking about, is taking 
the Jew who has something beneficial for the state and fostering that. So um, we have the love return. And what that does is, so this person, she was able to get a stipend, um, something for housing and all kinds of stuff. And what does that do? It lifts up the state. It lifts her up because she gets to be a part of something amazing. But it also makes, it also brings your best and brightest to this place where you have an opportunity to excel. So right now what's going on in Israel is they're talking about this big high-tech revolution that's going on and that and that um, all of these all of these new companies are being done. Waze was invented. Um, Get, the taxi app, uh, that was invented in Israel. Waze, the, uh, what is it? It's the the driving app. Um, is that right? Yeah. Um, WhatsApp in its precursor form was an Israeli invention, from what I understand. If I'm wrong, please hit me out. Um, let me know. But... Um, all of these things are being developed in not just uh, not just apps, but biotechnology, um, all kinds of stuff, all kinds of cool stuff. All of the things that Herzl wanted to happen, um, whether he meant for you know you, we could oh it happened because Herzl's he's not a prophet. He just saw the capacity and capability of the Jewish spirit the Jewish work ethic, he saw what was possible for the Jew in the future. What's also scary is he also saw what was in the future for the Jews in Europe. Um, he laments in saying that what will it take um, for people to take action? Because one of the groups, one of the groups, interestingly, and this is what I wanted to get to, he said there are three ways that we can fund this. There are three ways we can find money for this program. Um, one of them is through large-scale banks and business. Another is through small to medium banks. And another is through subscription. Uh, go to the individual Jews and ask them uh, to give a, in it, a couple of shekels to the coffers of the what will become the Jewish state. Um, and one of the things that he said, and he said he liked the last idea the most. No, it's not that he liked the last idea. That he saw the last idea as being the most reasonable. He saw asking the large banks, um, and he was talking about banks owned by Jews. He was talking about businesses owned by Jews, Individuals who had um, large accounts, large um, quantities of credit. And uh, he said it is his feeling that um, they will have a problem with the Jewish state. That they will, that those, um, and this is actually evidenced by... <laughs> I wonder if he's, I, and I don't know the timing of it. I wonder if he had already gone to the Lord Rothschild. 
Um, was it the Lord Rothschild or was it the French Rothschild? I think it was the French Rothschild who was not a lord. But um, I think it was before he went to Rothschild. It may have been after. It doesn't matter. Um, it's just interesting um, because he got shut down by uh, by the philanthropists, he calls them, of Europe the Jewish philanthropists, um, and they got very, uh, they got very upset with him, almost as if that he was taking a liberty, um, by doing this on his own without going through, uh, what had become this fiscal European Sanhedrin. Whoa, that was such a heady one right there. Um, fiscal European Sanhedrin, but essentially that's exactly, that's exactly what it was. Um, it was a group of um, affluent Jews who felt that they were the direction, or they were they they had a, a um what was it they had prominence in any ideas in anything that was done for world Jewry, um, in quotes. Um, but yeah, so he saw that as he saw going to the banks as problematic because he knew that um, Jews of affluence in Europe were uh, trying very hard to be not assimilated. I mean, he he mentions assimilation uh, quite often in the book, and for those of you who don't don't know i'm gonna take a sip real quick hold on assimilation is something that comes up often in a lot of jewish literature in one way or another um the concept of the (laughs) so the concept of the jew um, breeding himself, breeding himself or herself out of the Jewish sphere, um, you know, marrying into, uh, and, and I'm not joking around about my wording. That's specifically it. Um, there is, it has been a latent concern within the Jewish community for, I don't know how long it goes back as far as memory, Jewish memory can can remember um and that is assimilation but it's it's taken on diff different forms um and there are different levels of it and he deals with it in the book and he finds those where assimilation is important and and i say on different levels because he some of the levels that he talks about are a sim um societal assimilation meaning discarding uh the trappings ornamentation and um what do you call it uh and and and, not behaviors but uh things that jews do observing the sabbath um and just trying to be everything short of christian in a christian society um 
and he has he he has contempt for that you can tell in his writing that he has contempt for that if you are jewish you are jewish i think a lot of that comes of course from you know his history he dealt with a lot of anti-semitism when he was in uh when he was in college um actually it's an interesting story one of and i know i'm wandering off the subject but one of the groups, one of the fraternities that he that he joined um, in order to elevate himself, in order to socially assimilate, he uh, wound up going and I think it was showing this virulent anti-Semite was in the, uh, was in an opera or writings. I know it had something to do with Wagner. I'm going to get more details and give them to you because I'm pretty much crapping this up. Um, basically what happened is there was a guy who was an anti-Semite who was big in media, either in music or in literature. And members of Herzl's fraternity that he belonged to um, at an event denigrated into really anti-Semitic behavior. He wasn't there at that time, but when he found out, became very upset, very offended, and eventually resigned because of it. So, and what was troubling for him is these were individuals that he considered not just peers, but friends. These were people who, you know, um, but it always goes back to, oh, I have a Jewish friend. You know what I mean? That's, that's how these um, friends that he had were. They were just, um, I, one could make excuses, youthful, you know, endeavors and crap like that, but you are what you do. So, um, he was, he, he, that left a stain on not only his psyche, but his soul, his Jewish soul. And he, this was where the seed was developed. And then in Paris during the Dreyfus affair, when a, um, member of the general staff, a captain, uh, was, who was a Jew was accused of treason spying. Um, the shouts were not traitor, but Jew, um, not death to the traitor, death to the Jew. And that eventually wound up being death to the Jews, which was, uh, screamed in the streets. And that is when, he locked himself in his room and wrote this pamphlet. So, um, but part of that and part of that, the Jew who has, um, worth comes from a lot of this history because he saw individuals who were Jewish, who stuck up for these people these non-Jews who were being incredibly anti-Semitic. Um, he even goes on to suggest, and, and he, he never really clarifies, and he's, he's I got to say, he's kind of a classy guy. He takes, he takes the high road because he doesn't point them out. He doesn't bring up their name. He just says specific uh, Jews who wish to assimilate um, have taken a turn towards anti-Semitism and done... Uh, some pretty horrific things, uh, or said some pretty horrific things. Um, but 
bottom line, I'm going to have to wrap this up because it is, we are coming up on the, yeah, where I told you we had a lot to unpack in this one. This one was fun. This one was, had a little bit of history. It had a little bit of what's going on now. It gives you insight into where the development of the state comes from. I'm going to actually, one of the things I want to do is I want to, uh, I want to hit this topic a couple of times and I want to hit it a couple of times because I want to hit it from different angles. And what that topic is, is Zionism. And there are very um, differing opinions on what Zionism is. And I'm trying to take it from, I'm exploring it. I'm exploring Zionism. We're trying to crack the nut on that one and get to the real meat of what what exactly Zionism was in the beginning. So for to, to give kind of uh, an understanding of what we're trying to do, it would be like trying everyone right now. There's there's we're in a constitutional crisis in the United States. So uh, but when you look at the Constitution and this isn't a left or right thing, this is a purely academic exercise. When you look at the at the uh, at, at the Constitution, um, it's important to understand that it's a document that was meant to move forward. Um, Zionism, I feel, in my academic opinion, uh, feel as if Zionism is something that moves forward. What's interesting is, uh, and I'm going to wrap this up after that, after I mention this, um, is that one of the things that they talk about, one of the things that Herzl talks about specifically is um, the organization of housing and how housing will be set up in a specific way. And he's not doing it in an authoritarian uh, or in an authoritative manner. He's doing it in a way to tell people, hey, I think this is a good idea. Why don't we try to set it up this way? Um, And this is based on, he's had conversations with some of the greatest minds of the late um, uh, 19th century because he was there. They were all in Paris. Um, city planners, all that kind of stuff. And, and and what's funny is the stuff that he writes about, about how he wanted to have these things mapped out, you can see when you go to some of the planned cities in Israel. Like when you go to, um, you can't really see it in Tel Aviv and Jerusalem because they kind of just, not a, exploded, but I mean, Tel Aviv just blossomed out. Um and Jerusalem was just worked around. But when you get to some of these other cities like Netanya, um, uh, let me see, like uh, Beersheba, Elat, the, where there really wasn't anything there, um, you can see the city planning that Herzl had in his mind's eye. So it's pretty, it's pretty great. Um, I just, I have so much more I could talk about. And we're going to talk about a lot more in the, in the upcoming episodes. Um, but I just wanted to talk about um, that topic, the self-worth, Herzl's concepts on, uh, on self-worth and the Jew. So I hope you enjoyed that. Um, and I'm going to wrap it up. So, um, I want to wrap it up by telling you again about, I know, beating a dead horse. I want to tell you again about um, February. 
So this coming February, uh, this show, the 12 Cities in Israel podcast, will be in Tel Aviv at the C Executive Suites to do interviews with a number of people from across Israeli society. We have a number of wonderful people confirmed as guests, including Doron Almog from Ale, Rivka Karmi, the former president of Ben Gurion University, M.K. Stav Shafir, Stav Shafir um, Daniel Seaman, Yishai Fleischer, Tomer Yosef, DJ Aviel Brandt, Corey Gil Schuster from uh, Ask the e, an Israeli Ask a Palestinian Project, um, Sarah Tuttle Singer and Shoshana Keats Jaskel, both from the Times of Israel, and many others. We even have, as I said, a professional ballerina. In total, we will be interviewing 22 to 24 people who represent some of the best of Israel creatively, professionally, and academically. Um, this project has the very real potential to have a profound impact outside of Israel on a number of different spectrums from the political to the social, meaning that this could be the catalyst to the world seeing Israel more positively. Um, to be a part of this and to help us, please visit our website, www.12citiesinisrael.com and make a donation through PayPal toward helping us fund our trip. In total, it will cost around $10,000, but we are currently in need of about half of that. So this remaining $5,000 will go towards paying for airfare, the space to film at the C Executive Suites, and, uh, and for the remainder of the equipment that we need. I am not taking any pay for this. Um, so if you'd like to help, please, again, visit our website, www.12citiesinisrael.com and hit the PayPal button. Um, well, what I'm doing is, um, as far as Ale and, who is it? Um, Schneider Children's Hospitals. I am no longer doing a verbal. Now I'm going to do a big um, thing at the end of our YouTube episodes uh, in the credits for that. So check that out. Go over to our website and you can see about that. Um, and that's pretty much it. All right. So thank you so much for joining us for the 12 Cities in Israel podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to our feed and become a part of the 12 Cities in Israel community. You can find our podcast on SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, and Spotify. And we'll be bringing you a brand new podcast every week. So keep your eyes out for that. Um, also, to help support this podcast, you can visit our Patreon page and become a regular donor. You can find that page at www.patreon.com forward slash 12 cities in Israel. Um, that is the number one, two cities in Israel. Also, 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 please visit our YouTube channel where you can see a video version of this podcast plus other videos that we have produced, including our full-length travel episode on the city of Beersheba in southern Israel. While you're there, please don't forget to hit the subscribe button and the notification bell. You can also check us out at our website, www.12citiesinisrael.com, on our Facebook page, and on Instagram, where every day we post a brand new picture from our Israel travels. All right, guys, that's it.
הייתי כציפור הדועה בענן, לו הייתי כציפור הדועה בענן. אפרוס הקרביים, עלי ארץ ועל מים, ומקצה השמיים, אביך לכאן. אפרוס לך כנפיים, על הארץ ועל מים, ומקצה השמיים, אביך לכאן. 